take a little walk with me, Arlene, and tell me who do you love? 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 Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. You've heard Bobby and I talk. Uh, about our commitment to bringing you information and education on one of the most fearful diseases right now in our lives, and that is Alzheimer's. Um, and there are many, many things we're doing. Um, our partnership with uh, pmemory.net is one of those things. But having conversations with individuals that have not only gone through the process, especially with their loved ones, but people that have had the courage to stop and write about it. And my guest today is one such person, Pat Moffat, joining me here today. And he is the author of the critically acclaimed book, Fortunate Soldier. Uh, and that talks about his service in Vietnam and has written a book called Ice Cream in the Cupboard, a true story of early onset Alzheimer's. It's a touching story of a husband's under undying love. And, and Pat offers hope and comfort to patients, caregivers and anyone who must deal with Alzheimer's disease in an agonizing tale, and that is this book. But as agonizing as it is, it is a book of hope, and it is a story of inspiration. And so today, I'm thrilled and honored to have Pat Moffat joining me here today, because what we're talking about is what you should know. And not to know from the perspective of being victimized, but what you should know about how you can become empowered through the process. Pat, thank you for joining us here. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Doctor. Nice to be here. It's great to have you. I mean, the story is just beyond touching beyond touching and i wanted you to take a minute to talk about uh, the the story to talk about carmen and to talk about your experience well you know carmen was uh, an absolutely wonderful woman a uh, great mom uh, tremendous leader in the community worked for the school system uh, really really tremendous uh, person and uh, of course you know it's the nice people that bad things happen to but uh, one of the things that uh, everyone finds very interesting about ice cream in the cupboard is that uh, the amount of violence that's really connected to this disease on an early onset level. And uh, take, for instance, uh, how I really had the, the first point that something was really wrong with my wife, Carmen. And that's when we were kind of bickering a lot at home. And, and I said, you know what, we, we've been working hard. We've got to get out of Puerto Rico and, and where we always used to like to go. Carmen was born there. And let's have a nice romantic weekend, three or four days, and, and uh, just relax a little bit. And we went down, and uh, the first night we were there, we were having dinner at a very nice restaurant. I had a nice veranda overlooking the Caribbean Sea, really beautiful setting. And it was I was looking over the railing, looking down at some of the old cars that they have down in Puerto Rico that seemed to last forever. And I and I, we were having steak and lobster tail. And uh, and I and I was looking down, and I turned back toward Carmen across the table, and I said, uh, you know, just as I looked back from telling her these cars were were so old down here, I looked back, and she picked up the entire plate of food and threw it in my face, knocked me out of the chair into the next table beyond us, and ran out of the restaurant. Mm. So I started to run after I was covered with food bits and everything else and I got downstairs and, and she was about two blocks away. So I ran after her. And with that, the local police were following me. I'm a six foot, six foot three Irish guy chasing a five foot Puerto Rican. Doesn't look real good in San Juan. 
No, not and, really. <laughs> yeah, and they caught up to me, and, and they said, you know, is there a problem? And I, I just said, I didn't know what to say. I said, well, I think my wife just had a little bit too much to drink. And with that, she punched me right in the nose. And so I started to bleed on top of that. Anyway, got her in the car, got back to the hotel, and, and she went right to sleep when she laid down. And I went out on the terrace and had a beer and tried to figure out what just happened in my life. And about 15, 20 minutes later, she walked out on the terrace and she said, Honey, I am starved. When are we going to eat? And I just wow. looked at her and I said, I tried that and you threw your food at me. She said, You know, you like to joke around a lot, but that's not really nice. I would never do anything like that to anyone. And so oh I was gosh. done. Now, I'm 49. She's 53 at that moment. And, and I, I, I wasn't thinking Alzheimer's. Yeah, I think I know about that. You get it after you're 75 or something. Exactly. And so the next day I got back to New York and I started seeing more incidents happening. Uh, I started to see forgetfulness and more violent behavior. And it just kept going. And I couldn't get it to a doctor. She refused to be examined by anyone. And uh, one day we went food shopping. And came back from food shopping. And as usual, woman likes to put her own groceries away. And she did that. And I went out to the store. And I came back to barbecue later on. And I opened up the cupboard, and I saw this white liquid running all over down to all the canned goods. And uh, I pushed the cans aside, and sure enough, in the back was a brick of vanilla ice cream that had long since melted all over the rest of the goods. And I said, Carmen, you must have uh, put the food away a little bit too fast today. She says, what do you mean? And I says, well, you put the ice cream in the cupboard instead of the freezer. And she said, I didn't do that. She said, that's your problem. You never blame those kids upstairs for anything. You blame me for everything. Boy, there were no kids upstairs. We were living alone. Our kids were married in college and long gone. And that's the, that was the pivotal point when I said I have to do something. If I have to throw a net over her to get her out of the house, I need to get her to a doctor. And so I named the book Ice Cream in the Cupboard for that reason. You know, did you have a sense of what was going on when you said I have to, I have to do something and get her to the doctor? I mean, were you thinking Alzheimer's? No, not at all. I wasn't. I was thinking I, I had mentioned it to a, a doctor that I was uh, talking to, my family doctor. I said, you know, she seems to be forgetful of that. He said, well, don't get excited. It could be a shortage of vitamin B12 in women over 50. Um, could be menopause. You know, it was all kinds of things that I was making up that it must be this or it must be that. While all, in, all along, I was just in denial over what it really was. So this had to be a shock for you. Totally stunned, totally stunned, and and, uh, and uh, talked to my family about it, and, and we were just, just in, in amazed as to what had happened here and, and what to do next, and fortunately, she was working in the school system, so and she was a budget administrator, so the budgets were messed up, and the kids' bus passes, all the kids were going in different directions in the neighborhood. They were all getting on the wrong buses, because my wife couldn't remember who belonged where. So the school principal came up to her and says, Carmen, listen, if you don't have this test at this hospital nearby, we think you might need some help. We think there's something wrong. But if you don't get this test, we're going to have to fire you for cause. Oh, my gosh. You know, because your computer's messed up. The kids are lost. The police are calling. There were mothers that were calling up saying, please don't put my son on the bus today because I'm coming by to pick him up. And they were talking to Carmen. Of course, Carmen hung up and the conversation never existed. The little boy goes in the wrong direction, shows up at his house, there's no one there. You know, and, and this is the kind of things that were being caused in our area, and it all came back to Carmen's desk. So, of course, she took that exam at the hospital and failed immediately and then was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So, you know, when we're looking at this and we're looking at uh, getting that news, I mean, clearly what you've done is you've written a book mm -hmm. about it. And so, you know, for many people listening to the show, 
uh, who have not received the book, this is a book that I think everyone out there is going to want to read about. But, mm -hmm. you know, you've written the book with a purpose in mind. And yeah. that is to help other people understand this. Correct. One of the things, the book does two things. First of all, Carmen and I had a, a wonderful marriage. We loved each other very much. We have our own little love story. Very, very good. I think the, the readers will always enjoy that part of it. And the second part of this is kind of a learning tool as well. I made mistakes uh, in the book in dealing with her um, and then was able to straighten those things out and say, well, I think I'll do it this way. And, and I got emails from many readers that became caregivers and said, you know what? When I read how you did that, I learned something from it. Thanks for that. I picked that up on page 36. You know, that kind of thing. So it became a, a real helpful tool for people out there that really didn't know how to handle certain events. So, you know, when we look at this, I mean, I, I was looking at um, some of the statistics, and one of the things that I was reading about was that, um, you know, early onset Alzheimer's, can, you know, it can hit people early, anywhere from ages, uh, you know, what is it, 35? Yes, we have uh, right now, I'm working with two families on Long Island. Uh, one man got the disease of 36, he's now 38 and already on his way to a full-time nursing care. And uh, so, yeah, there are, those cases are somewhat on the rare side but in the 40s and the 50s we're hearing more and more you know the biggest statistic here dr pat is that there are uh, 4.5 million alzheimer's cases in the country and 10 percent of that 450,000, are in the early onset category which is under 65 and i think that's the shock isn't it i mean uh, that's that's it, the shock to everybody yes it really is and then to think over the fact that 75 million baby boomers, such as I am one of those, that all turned 60 within the past two years. These numbers now are going to accelerate really high, and within the next 10 years, there's not enough doctors and not enough beds to treat these people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, you, you know, for me, it is a conversation that we must have. What are you seeing are sort of the most optimistic uh, or, shall I say, action-oriented things people can do? I mean, there are many things out there. Are we sort of at this place of being completely helpless, or can we do some things to keep ourselves sharp? Well, the, the, the way to keep yourself sharp is, is uh, you know, first of all, to be with the Alzheimer's Foundation, which is nationwide, got a great website, ALZ.org. Great help there. It didn't have much of that 10 years ago when I started this. Uh, so there, there's tremendous amount of learning that can be done. Uh, and there was just all these centers are all around to help, help the caregivers quite a bit to really learn what to do in any given situation. Uh, Mayo Clinic has a magnificent... Uh, a uh, quick guide for caregivers that uh, that wasn't published either when when I was in my beginnings part of being a caregiver. Uh, so there's a lot of education, and that's what you really have to know what you're really dealing with here. Um, and, you know, when you see something like violent situations like uh, I was faced with, uh, you know, know that that can be something else. That's part of being educated as well. In, you know, as you look back at this and, and as you, you look at the messages you're taking out to people, what are... What are the, the key things that you want all of us to remember right now? Well, the early onset area has one, the uniqueness about it, and it's almost going to get a, another category itself. It may have its own category someday, early mm -hmm. onset versus just plain Alzheimer's. <clears throat> and someone's even named it recently young Alzheimer's. Uh, the deal there is to remember that this acceleration of the early onset is 10 times faster than it is with elderly onset. So my wife, Carmen, just at 53, by the time she was 56, she was already in a nursing home. 
when people get this disease at 75, they're at home quite a long time, often much longer than a two or three years. There's usually ways that they can stay home for five to 10 years, as long as you get proper coverage. So if that diagnosis should happen in your life, try to get done as many things as you can that you've always wanted to do. Don't say, I think we'll do this someday. Do it tomorrow, because that tomorrow may not be. How do how do couples deal with this? I mean, this is truly your story. For those of you just tuning in, I'm here with Pat Moffat. He has written an incredible book, Ice Cream in the Cupboard, a true story of early onset Alzheimer's. There's a lot of information in here as well as a heartfelt story. But this will help people. This book will help people know that they are not alone. You know, Pat, are people sensing that they are alone, helpless, and in the medical community, there's really not much focus doctors can do to help well the the uh, a lot of these things first of all are misdiagnosed uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's one of the things that i've seen that happened uh, just recently to a couple of cases where people came to me and said you know my my mom's not acting right my dad's not acting right and and you know a neurologist or somebody said well here's aricept that's the big medicine from pfizer um, and it's alzheimer's and that's it and i had the person uh, taken to a geriatric specialist and it turned out the person had a stroke it wasn't alzheimer's at all you know, so there are just other things that can offshoot and Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's dementia. Those things, you have to kind of learn those as you go along and don't just assume it's Alzheimer's. Study up on it. So, you know, when we look at this, I mean, you say the word Alzheimer's. And, you know, recently, Pat, there have been several movies out. Mm-hmm on this right do you believe the movies that are out there um reflect the reality of this disease yeah i I think they reflect it rather well uh and i think away from her uh did a pretty good job with that um uh, at least they showed julie christie to be more a little bit on the younger side but if you saw carmen or if you saw carmen's picture in the book you'd see how much different younger carmen looks that's what I would like to see out there a little bit more is to show what these younger-looking cases actually look like, and then it will hit you with a much higher impact. But are they getting the message out? Yeah, I think they are. Yeah, I think that and the notebook did a fine job. So, exactly. <laughs> you know, when we look at the story that you've told, uh, how difficult was it for you to recall this? It, it, the, it wasn't the recollection that was the hard part. I was mm-hmm. working with an editor who was in Los Angeles, and we had a system of I would do the writing, and then she would edit, and we would always have a Thursday 9 o'clock call. And as I moved through writing the book and I saw difficult parts coming, I had to walk away from them a little bit, and I would tell her, Mia, listen, I, I'm not going to call you Thursday. I know what's coming. I'm not ready to, for that yet. And I wouldn't be able to write that, and I have to kind of work up you know, uh, just a little bit of energy to, to kind of get over this uh, and then be able to do that writing. So it wasn't the recollection part. That was always there. It was the approach where I had to sit down and say, this is going to be really hard on me tonight. I have to be able to deal with it. But that was the only way to do it. I was in therapy at the time, and my therapist said, are you sure you want to write this book? Because we're working on getting these things out of your head. And the only way that to really write this well is to bring these things back into your head. And I said, I have to do it. It's for Carmen. And, and this, is, this is for her. And I'm going to get this done. So that, that was the tough part. It was getting to those really hard points that broke our heart. What was the most, what I want to say is, what was the most difficult part of this experience? And also, what was the most rewarding part of it? I guess the most difficult part of the experience was when she forgot who I was. Mm. And I came home from work, and, and she said, 
I said, hi, honey. And she said, who are you? And I said, uh, it's me, your husband. She said, my husband's coming home in about 15 minutes, and you better not be here because he is going to beat you up. And having learned from different experiences, I walked out the door for 10 seconds. I came back in. I said, honey, I'm home. She went, thank God. Dinner's just about ready. But that first inclination, when she didn't recognize me at all, I knew she had taken, I used to call it in the book, a notch in the gun, where we had taken another step down that we weren't going to recover from. That was the most difficult part, you know, when she didn't know me anymore. And now, of course, she's in a nursing home today and hasn't known who I am in, in years. So all that stuff. But the first time was the roughest time. The most rewarding, I think, writing the book and hearing from caregivers and being on shows like yours and knowing that I'm speaking for Common on her behalf, uh, that makes me feel good. That makes me feel that I'm accomplishing something out there. You're not only speaking for Carmen, you're speaking for, for millions of people, mm -hmm. Pat. I mean, this is uh, as difficult as this message might be for many of us. It is an important one. Where, where do you find hope in your day when you look at this? Uh, there, there isn't a whole lot of hope. Uh, you know, I understand it. I, I'm, I spend time with doctors, geriatric specialists, and mm -hmm. I even did a film. I acted in a film for Pfizer not too long ago. Uh, you know, and I know there are drugs out there. Uh, there are 500 drugs in trials worldwide, 70 to 100 in the United States. Uh, you know, nine drugs are in a phase three trial, which is the last one. They could be out by the end of the year or, or the next year. But the real hard part where the, the hope really bothers me is that these uh, drugs are designed to slow the pace of the disease down. You know, there really isn't a cure here. And that's the part that, yes, I, I'm very hopeful that we're going to get to that point, And I hope these things, anything to slow it down would be helpful. Um, so that that's about the only thing I can look at as a hope. It's rather a sad, you know, look out to the future though for any kind of a cure. Wyeth Laboratories, as an example, has succeeded in reversing Alzheimer's and mice. But, you know, that, that could take 10 years before you would even get to a human trial on that, Dr. Do, do you think in situations like this that there are some things that we should do to, you know, put those 10-year trials aside? When do you think it's appropriate to bypass some of the uh, FCC and, and, and some of the process and procedures? Well, you know, the, the, I, I think we're very lucky to have an FDA. I really have to say that. even in, in, FDA, right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've seen situations and spending time with these doctors, situations in Europe, uh, where they, uh, they felt that, well, I, I think we've got the, the cure for Alzheimer's disease, and they, they just, you know, kind of blatantly just do a number of patients with it, and everybody dies of liver disease. You know, so, I mean, there has to be things in there that are going to be able to, you know, just, uh, you know, cipher what's really happening and, and uh, you know, only come out with the good ones. So, but I think there is a point that, uh, you know, when there really is no hope for a person, uh, where in, in uh, Carmen's case, uh, you know, maybe there would be some kind of, you know, what is the top drug? What is the closest one that has come into not human trials yet? Can we give it a chance? I'd like to see the rules bent a little bit on that. Maybe there is something. Well, you know, this is part of, I think, the dilemma that we face here with uh, health care and, and with ethics. And it's good that we have a dilemma. I mean, it's good that we're having the conversation. But you know what's more important to me, Pat? The fact that you have able to write a book that touches the heart, touches the soul, and tells it like it is. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Okay, thanks, Dr. Pat. I appreciate you having me. Okay, Ice Cream in the Cupboard. Pat Moffat is the author. Don't touch that dial. Carrie O'Connor coming up. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.